Kirsten. We've served in church leadership for over two decades. And most of that, we've been on staff together. We're here to talk about our faith, family, and ministry. Welcome to Under the Hood. So we finally, it's been a while, we've been wanting to do it, but we finally made it to the Jesus Revolution movie. Yeah. Last night. It was good. I loved it. It was really good. It was, um, I think it was everything that people have been saying, you know, that, that it was. We actually, this was the second movie we went to over the weekend. And I know, we'd gone from like not seeing a movie in months and months and months to we went to the theater The twice. last movie I saw in the theater that I can remember is Top Gun Maverick. I think that's the last time I was in a theater. Yeah. Probably. So it's been months ago. And then and then um, our family, my boys and I, we are huge fans of the movie Creed. I'm not. Love it. Love it. Own well, them. Watch here. them. And uh, them love the Rocky movie. So Creed 1, Creed 2. So when, the, when we found out they were making a Creed 3, we just were going to go see it. And so Creed 3, I, I'm, not, nah, I'm not really embarrassed to admit this. Creed 3 got priority over Jesus Revolution. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we could get last minute tickets. Here's here's the story. One thirty in the afternoon. Hey, do you want to go see a movie? At what time? Nine thirty p.m. It was not. Uh, 9:30. I knew I was going to struggle with that. Oh, you're talking about Creed. Yeah, and so that this is what I posted on social media. The one thirty Kirsten thought, oh, I, I think I could do that with you guys, and the nine thirty. Kirsten was like, this was a bad idea because a, I'd not seen the other Creed movies, and then. I went with you guys to see this and, and it was good. It was a good movie, but at nine 30, I'm sitting there going, Oh my word, I am going to struggle. It's okay if I fall asleep. So I'm, I'm, but I'd feel bad if I was really into this movie, but I, I wasn't. So I took a little bit of a nap, but not mm-hmm. long enough to miss the movie. Loved Cree three. Loved it. Probably yeah. like it better over time, but if I had to rank them, I think the first Creed was the best. Well, the second, how it always the is second though? Creed was amazing. Um, but not quite as good as the first. Uh, but there was a lot of nostalgia, a lot of throwbacks to the Rocky wow. movies. And then Creed three, I can tell they're setting up a whole new round. Oh, I think, for sure. yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but I think, I don't think they're done with this series at all. But anyway, so then, so then, so that took priority. And then we went, that's, saw, what, that's what I was saying. You couldn't get last minute Jesus revolution tickets. So it wasn't like at one thirty. Yeah, we were get tickets for a nine thirty show. We were in Jesus a full theater. And we're like, okay. So Sunday night we went, saw it, loved it. Um, yeah, and Jesus Revolution was really good. I, if you haven't, I don't want to do any spoilers here because not everybody's seen it, but I, I, let me just highly recommend you should go. And of course, it's hard not to watch a movie and not pick it apart as a preacher, you know, not not pick it apart on every. So I try not to do that, like, mm, you know, have some of that view. Oh, yeah. But, you know, if this is his, if this is actually based on historical information, there's not a whole lot of it's not been Hollywooded up or something, but it's, it's a great movie. I love the heart of the movie. I love the message of the movie. And here's what I love a lot sorry i'm not trying to cut it on you they actually <laughs> hollywood actually produced a movie it was good yeah and the preacher doesn't come across like some wimpy sissy guy that that is a out hypocrite of touch, yeah out of touch 
I was someone on our staff texted that they cried like 12 times in the movie. And so I was like, I wonder, I wonder if that's going to be the case for me. Cause I'm not like a crier in movies. I mean, G- Joe knows I don't, I don't really cry. I get more emotional in movies you than you. Emotional in that couple, movie? A couple times. Yeah. There was a couple times I'm kind of fighting down the, it was, it was really cool. So now I understand when he, when he said, I cried like 12 times in that movie. I'm like, I, I can relate to that. It was really kind of this couple times there were these emotional things. It's like, wow. Especially, I think, being in ministry and they did, like you said, portray a pastor's family and then this revolution that happened. And so it was really neat to kind of, like you said, just see how the, the story unfolded with yeah. everyone. And and it was a good movie. It's a great movie. And and it had a great message and... and and what I love is is and, and Christian movies are getting better, mm-hmm. but this one was a really good story. It's written well and it was acted well. You know, sometimes my criticism with Christian movies is like the the acting is subpar, and you kind of have to just put that on, over the side and forget about it. No, no, no. The this acting was top notch, as um, good as you'll see in any movie. And I will say it was it's PG thirteen, and I was like, how are they going to make a like a Jesus movie, Jesus Revolution, PG thirteen? And after you see it, you're like, okay, I can see why they didn't. They really wanted to portray everyone how who they were and well, the hippie culture of the late '60s. So, I mean, what were the what were the hippies doing in the late '60s? It's as clean as it can be for PG-13. Yeah, I mean, they tried to capture the sex, drugs, rock and roll era without showing all the sex, drugs, rock and roll. (laughs) Um, I mean, they showed. To an extent of right. it, but it was it was like I said, it was as clean as it could be for PG thirteen. You know my you know what my favorite parts was this we, and this won't spoil the movie well, for anybody. I was gonna say real quick, we did take our boys. Yeah. And and they really enjoyed it as well. They so. did. So I think my favorite part one of my favorite parts, of funny moments, this will not ruin it for anybody, so you don't need to turn it off, but there's this moment where, you know, it's no secret, all the hippies come to church. That's the that's the whole thing. And this pastor Chuck Smith, um, is uneasy about their presence. You know, he's like, I don't know. So, so it was something new. All of these hippies play instruments. And so, so the, the worship band have never played in a church before. And they go, man, we've, thanks for letting us play. We've never played in a church before. (laughs) Of course, all the hippies are barefoot sitting around and he goes, and the the lead singer goes, but I gotta let you know, our drummer back here, he won't be with us next month or next, next Sunday. He won't be with us for three months. He's got to go back and finish his jail sentence for drugs. (laughs) And and like all the hippie goes, yeah, that happens. Yeah, that happens. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's not meant to be some huge funny. I just laughed out loud. Oh, yeah. We're all sitting there and, and like that level of transparency. So, so this, this is what made it funny is hardly anybody in the church today. Is that transparent about their life? You know? Like, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, like I we, gotta like, go finish out my jail sentence. Yeah. Like, like we walk in and we're like, how's it going? Fine, 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 fine. Good, good. Yeah, How are you? And a lot of people hide what's really going on, but, but they're like, yeah, and our drummer, he's not going to be here for a few months. He's got to go finish a jail sentence for drugs. Yep. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> It was like, yep, see you when you get back. And I just laughed out loud. And boy, if that, what would church be like, really, if Christian community could be like that open and transparent? Just this is, this is me being raw and real. And there's a little piece of that, that hints to something that's really quite significant that, um, of getting to the day and age in the church, we could really drop the mask and just be ourselves and, Mm -hmm. and the good, bad and the ugly. And you know, that's what Jesus saw. That's, I think, 
really, when it comes down to it, Jesus sees through all that fluff and he sees the problems and he sees how, you know, receiving him can change your life. Mm -hmm. And I think they captured that really well in the movie. Well, and I hope that people see us as we're try, we try to be as transparent as possible and i mean we don't want people to feel like they need to have their guard up with anything they share with us about their past or what's happening in their life right yeah. now and so i right. mean that is that's just being real with people being I, authentic I, I think that movie is going to challenge uh people in three ways I, I think for the lost person who watches that movie i think it's going to challenge them to think about the church i think it's so I think they're going to ask the questions about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think they're going to wonder why that was such a thing. And I think that might spark some interest. So I, and think, I think they'll wait till it's out on Netflix. Oh, I, I think it's going to have some legs. People, yeah. That's the first thing. The second thing, I think people in the church, um, I think it's going to challenge them to, to see, is my faith real? Am I really authentic? Mm-hmm. Am I, I, I think it's going to challenge them that way. So I think it's going to challenge lost people. I think it's going to cha- they'll watch. I think it's going to challenge um, Christians who watch. Like, am I taking my faith seriously enough? I mean, am I, don't you want to have that kind of a live faith in your life that just real authentic? And um, the third thing, I think, I think God's going to use it to spark something new. You know, um, I don't think he's going to, I don't think it's just an entertainment movie. I think God's going to use it. And I, I look at what's happening at new life and uh, we got our own little revolution going, our own little revival happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's going to, I think it's going to fan the flame of some things that are already happening. And so it will be fun to watch as it unfolds. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Oh, geez. <laughs> you know, I've had more people comment to me about how you start different segments of our podcast than anything else. Someone did text me the other day. They're like, I love that you started with a laugh. I'm like, that. I don't even think that was on purpose. We hit record and Joe was like speechless and I just started laughing at him. So I think the reason why, for those of you wondering why Kirsten all of a sudden broke out into that song is because... Which song, Joe? The, no, I'm not going to sing it. I'm a Christian. <laughs> oh my word. That's like a song from like our childhood, like the 90s. That's what's wrong with you, isn't it? You were listening to all that bad music back then. Listen, I'm not going to name all the songs that I could actually sing for you, but we'll keep it clean. Well, I know why you you sang that song. It's because we've had quite the discussion since this past weekend yeah. sermon and um, covered a lot of ground in the sermon. Um, and it brought up a lot of things and a lot of conversation. So like sex outside of marriage. That was that was a big one. Marriage. Yeah. So we're continuing. So hence the song, the little jingle I gave you. I know because I know we were going to talk about this, but I did not know you were going to sing that song when we started. <laughs> that was a surprise. So I'm always here to surprise you. So we continued our Exodus series, uh, Rescued. Um, I'll turn that off. Thank you. Yeah, you're supposed to have your phone on silent, Kirsten. Come on. Someone must have heard my jingle. They're already texting me about Whatever. it. Whatever. So anyway, so as I was saying, we... Um, uh, we're continuing our rescued series through Exodus, and we get we're now past the Ten Commandments. And I was telling the church that this is where we're going to start condensing a lot of scripture because the last nineteen chapters of Exodus, I mean, it's a lot of list. It's very detailed. It's where we go over all the laws and all the building of the tabernacle and the ark and all the materials are collect, and and it's just very detailed. And and the way that the the Bible organizes the information, it makes it fairly easy for us to organize it as well and condense some large sections of scripture, but. 
as we got into that, um, you take chapters 21, 22, 23, and into 24, where you have the giving of the law. So basically, God gave them the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and that, that's kind of the foundational bedrock of the, of the relationship. Mm-hmm. And then the next couple chapters, you know, God is giving Moses the law that he's supposed to repeat to the Israelites. And basically, these are all the things related, you know, about how you live out the Ten Commandments in your life. So we've got these list after list after list after list. And, you know, I think, I don't know what the exact number is, but, you know, if you compile all the laws um, that surround this time in Exodus and then take Leviticus numbers, Deuteronomy and stuff, there's over 600 laws. Mm. And so obviously we're not going to go over every one of them in this series. We'd be here for years. Um, And so we started to unpack that. And so I was unpacking several of the laws and what I was trying to challenge the church with is like, Hey, um, this is old covenant. It was written to the Israelites and we live under the new covenant because we're Christians today, saved by the blood of Christ. Mm -hmm. So do these laws still apply to us or not? And you know, the bottom line is that, that, uh, that as Christians who live under new covenant, we have to read these laws and make, you know, um, um, we have to see them through a new covenant lens, if right. you will. You know, um, if, if they were stated in the Old Testament and repeated in the New Testament, we're obligated to obey. Mm-hmm. There's so much we can learn from the Old Testament law, but we've got to be realistic and reasonable as the church today. Um, and there's so many things about them that are universal that tell us about the character of God. God's character hasn't changed. We see things from God's point of view in the law. We see a lot of truth come out in the law that's repeated in the New Testament. Really, you read all these laws, you get a really clear picture about God that what people matter to him. He cares very deeply about how we treat one another. So mm-hmm. we were examining all of that and and the law addresses many, many things that the church deals with today. So you can't throw them out, but you got to be realistic with new covenant lenses as you read them. And there's a lot that's still the same. Mm-hmm. And as we were going through that, you know, some of the things that kind of popped up that has created conversation is basically, you know, what the law taught about sexual purity. Right. And, and, you know, that's something you and I have talked many, many times, many, it's such a a relevant conversation in the church today, Mm -hmm. because right here, when it comes to sexual purity, this is something that is a struggle for a lot of people. It's a conflict with our culture. Oh, it's a massive conflict with our culture. And so, but if we're going to take what the Bible says, the Bible's very strict on, mm-hmm. on, on when it comes to intimacy it's and it's strict and it, well, I mean, you're right. That's a better word. It's clear. Yeah. And the reason why it feels strict is because of the culture we live in. That's yeah. a better way to say it. You're right. So it was interesting as we were going through these, these laws, um, you come to Exodus 22 verse 16 through 17. And this is a, this is a law that was written for the Israelites, but you look at it and you go, is there any application for us? So it just says this, if a man seduces a virgin who is not pledged to be married and sleeps with her, he must pay the bride price. Now back. There's so many things in that. Well, yeah, well it's, so you got to go back and get into your old covenant, old Testament hat on, you know, if somebody wanted to marry a woman, he had to pay her father. Now I don't know how many goats and sheep, how many this or that, but there was a price for her. The assumption is that um, she is going to be a virgin bride, you know, mm-hmm. and the assumption in God's perfect economy, he would be a virgin male. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to the very beginning of, of Genesis where mm-hmm. God says a man will leave his father and his mother. The assumption is that he has never been intimate with anybody else mm-hmm. and he will leave his father and mother and he will leave 
the the headship of his father leave the care of that house and he will be united or you know the king james says he will cleave you know to his wife and and that she too has protected that purity and that virginity and then the two of them in in this union in god's perfect economy comes together in and they consummate that relationship on their wedding day and the two become one flesh with all yeah you know, all the visuals that come with that one flesh kind of conversation and it's in that explain more? no i'm not explaining more this just, kid this is a kid show and <laughs> it's a kid show i would have started with that jingle <laughs> <laughs> and and that's in god's economy how it, so you come to this law and this is God's design. One man, one woman come together. So if a man seduces a virgin, in other words, you know, he talks her into something, gives her reason to give up that virginity, seduces. It's, it's a loaded word. It is a loaded word. And, and it, it's still consensual. This is yeah. not, this is not rape. There's, there's, there's a different law for and rape. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. That, that are, there is a different word for like, like you said, rape. Well, there's a whole different law. There's a whole law. Just, you know, if somebody rapes a woman. Well, and you talked about that in the other series that you did about um, the brothers um, uh, coming and protecting their sister who was forcibly, mm-hmm. you know, yep. um, that forced. Yep. Like, Back in Genesis. For yep. Forced sex versus. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. That's right. So, consensual. but this, this really. Lends to consensual. Mm-hmm. This is a consensual decision, although mm-hmm. it's more heavy-handed on the man. I, mm-hmm. You know that he's got more. I, <laughs> well, he had rights, and women didn't back then, so it's very different. So the situation. The situation here is, she has protected that virginity, mm-hmm. and she at the moment was not pledged to any man. Mm-hmm. Remember, like when Mary and Joseph, she was pledged, pledged to be married. Yeah. You know, and 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 so she's not. So she's. You know, she's available for marriage, but he takes it too far too fast mm-hmm. and he gets it. He gets the cart before the horse, basically. Um, and, and so ba- and so and he sleeps with her. Then that guy still got a responsibility. He's got to pay the bride price. So the price for that. And then she'll be his wife. So basically the law says you guys now have to come together because you created that one flesh bond and now you're bonded. And then it says in the next verse, but if the father absolutely refuses to give, it's like I said on church on Sundays, like if the father's like, you're a loser, there's no way I'm giving my daughter to you. you who do you think I am? Are you nuts? Mm-hmm. You know, and then like I joked, like no father has ever had that thought before ever. <laughs> and there was this quiet laughter through the crowd. It was like, it's purely hypothetical situation. No, no, no. It's like half the fathers in our church have probably like, I'm not giving you my daughter. Are you nuts? Um, but anyway, if the father has that response, you can't have her. That guy still has to pay the bride price because what he took from her was something of great value. You know, when I was studying this out, uh, not that I needed to be reminded, but it reemphasized again from, from kind of a place in the Bible that we really don't turn to very often for teaching on these kind of subject matters, mm-hmm. going back to the Old Testament law. Those aren't the first verses in the Bible you think about when you're talking about, you know, the, the marriage and family. And mm-hmm. you, you think about Hebrews where it says, you know, you should keep the marriage bed pure and mm-hmm. marriage should be honored by all. But um, I was reminded that, that, that her virginity 
was of great value to God. God saw it from his point of view as something very special and that that very special thing in her, in God's eyes. And that the bottom line, the principle for Christians today is like, you know, you don't have the right. You, you can't just go around and sleep with whoever you want and not face consequences. That guy did what he wanted. He got outside of God's will and he had a consequence attached to that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest problems with today's culture. They think that that you can have sex with anybody you want without consequences. Mm. And unfortunately that has filtered into the church as well. Oh, and so, sure. so, and it's something we deal here with at our church too. This, this, I would say misunderstanding or, or, or lack of obedience to God's sexual ethic and, and what God desires. And like what you said, this is talking about it in Exodus, there are so many other verses Old covenant language, yep. sexual purity, but you specifically, you know, because you were reading the verses out of Exodus, we're mm-hmm. specifically talking about virgins. Mm-hmm. And then we had a discussion about not necessarily applying this just to virgins, but to any outside of marriage, period, just outside of the context of marriage. And right. this applies to no matter what your age, yeah. no matter where you are in life, if you are not married to that person. Let's open the circle just a little bit because I didn't do that during the sermon. Right. You know, that really wasn't the point of what I was, was trying sure. to say. But really in today's but context, as, said. as Christians today, new, new covenant Christians um, who want to live and see things through God's point of view, who want to, to do it God's way, you know, and then understanding that... Um, there's a lot of people in the church today that did not start off their marriages the way God intended them, did not follow this sexual ethic of God their whole lives, you know, who have had multiple marriages who, so let's broaden this circle out just a little bit here. We're getting down to the, to the, you know, to the heart of the matter. I, I, I say this to people a lot like, well, if they were to say, well, that's an old Testament teaching. I was like, but did God change his mind? Has right. God had a change of heart about purity? You know, there's these uni- there, there's these ceremonial laws mm-hmm. that I do believe don't apply so much anymore mm-hmm. in the new covenant age. But then there's these moral laws mm-hmm. that are universal in every way. You know, how God felt about a woman's virginity back in the Old Testament is still how he feels about it. Right. What he values that back then, he still values that today. We should value what God values. So that was kind of the heart behind that, that, that there were some real consequences, but but God made provisions. God, you know, loved people regardless. So, but let's broaden that circle. Let's talk about the church today. Um, do you feel like people understand well today? The average person walking through the church understands God's sexual ethic. I think they probably understand what they should do. I don't think that they want to think that it applies to them. Mm-hmm. I think that. Um, from the hundreds of people that have come and said, hey, can I sit down and talk to you guys about my relationship with whoever? And they share, they open up about some of the things they've done in their past or that they're currently doing. I think they struggle to know, I know what I should do, but I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. And most of them recognize what they should do. Mm -hmm. They're choosing to not do the right thing. Um, and then there's got to be some grace there and some like, Hey, you know what you're supposed to be doing. And God's like tugging at your heart, telling you to do it. Mm -hmm. But this isn't just for, you know, Joe and I are in our forties. We've heard this in 
people in their teens. I'm in my prime. What are you their, talking about? <laughs> people in their teens, people in their 20s, 30s, 50s, 60s, 80s. I mean, we've seriously had so many conversations, even with older people. One of the most unexpected things, discoveries, that I made as, when I went into ministry is I thought I'd be having a lot of purity conversations with high school kids and college kids. Mm-hmm. I bet you I've had more conversations about sexual purity and God's sexual ethic in my career with people older than me mm-hmm. than people younger than me. Yeah. Um, I, I remember even in my 20s and early 30s having conversations with Christians in our church who were grandparents who I was having boundary conversations with in the relationships. Yeah. And that has, was a huge shocker for me that, that this, so the, the heart, the bottom line is it's not a problem in a sense of that's something that young people deal with, but it resolves itself as you get older. No, 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 no. In many ways it's exasperated when you get older. Or Be- I'm not a virgin anymore. So why do I need so to, now yeah. I don't need to, you know, stay pure because, I was married, you know, when I was 20 and now I'm 66 and it doesn't, that rule doesn't. And my heart really breaks for those ladies, especially who sit in my office and say, you know what? When I was young, I did it God's way. Mm -hmm. I I kept myself pure Mm -hmm. and, and I went into this relationship as a virgin. Isn't this supposed Mm -hmm. to work? And it all fell apart. Mm -hmm. You know, my heart breaks for somebody like that. It's like, like I did it the way God wants. And now they're like, I want to do it the way I want to do it. And well, I have this friend here. In Northwest Arkansas, and I'm I'm telling you this story because I'm so proud of her because she's older and she's been married before and she's single now and she's probably I don't know probably in her 60s I'm gonna guess anyway she was starting to date a guy and he was really pressuring her and he wanted to have sex and she was like look I'm a Christian and she was a, a newer Christian at the time and she said I Kirsten I'm not gonna do it I broke up with him. Because she said, I know that's what God wants for me. And I know that that I need to stay within the bounds of marriage. I was so proud of her. (laughs) I felt like I was talking to an 18-year-old at the time. It was so cool to have that conversation with her and be able to encourage her and just say, God's going to bless that. Mm -hmm. God's going to bless that. And you know what's tough, too? This is where being a Christian is so countercultural. Culture says that you know what like what is it now about 75 to 80 percent of young people cohabitate before their marriage mm. you know that's commonplace it's our culture it's our culture that's normal um you, you know multi you know what do you see in every tv show every movie everything it's like no you you've got to, you know the, the the path you know the, the path today is meet somebody sleep with somebody and then decide if you really want to get to know them and Mm -hmm. be with them. That's the journey today. Mm -hmm. That is so not what God wants. That's a destructive, awful journey. And, um, it's a, it's a horrible secular pattern that people get into and it's never what God wanted. So, you know, but that's, that's, that's society's teaching. Meet somebody, sleep with somebody and then decide if you want to get to know them. Well, leave it to me to bring the queen involved in this because honestly, Oh, please don't. (laughs) The, the Prince and Princess of Wales 
were were allowed to live together before they got married, and that had never happened in the history of the royal family. And I was actually shocked by that because they, the the king or queen is the head of the church over there. Well, you know what's shocking is that the royal family, the monarchy, has always been the picture of sexual purity through the through the ages. I not, know, not. Know. I'm just saying it's interesting to me that that was the first couple that was allowed to live together. How come every conversation we have goes back to the monarchy <laughs> with you? Is it, I call it a talent. <laughs> so we've got a real issue in society today. Yeah. And you know, we're, if you want to know where I think the devil's really showing his handiwork, it's in this whole, it's in the sexuality and it's, it's ballooned way beyond anything. that mm-hmm. I thought, you know, you know, it used to be when I was a kid, it was like, yeah, save yourself from marriage. You know, I, I grew up in the purity culture mm-hmm. and I'm not as hard on the purity culture as some people are. You know, some people look back on it, it's like, oh, the purity culture, the purity, all that, you know, the true love weights and the this and that, the purity cards of that. That's been really destructive and it's really misguided. It's taught people that sex was wrong and you're a horrible person if you did it. I do think there's some aspects of that that's probably true. Like maybe not enough grace. Not enough grace, you know. You you know, if you made a mistake in your life, then you're just dirty, and there's no value left. Which I don't mm-hmm. believe that at all. Not mm-hmm. the Bible doesn't teach that. Right. Okay. Um, that's us overlaying our own rules on top mm-hmm. of things. God's a God of grace, and you know, we we preach a message here. God cares more about where you're going than where you've been. Sure. Um, you know, uh, one sin separates you from the Lord. All sin needs to be forgiven. You know, um, you know, f- failure doesn't have to be fatal. You know, um, I preach a whole series called For Botched sure. and that whole concept failure doesn't have to be fatal um the purity culture had a lot of good things too right and um and i'm glad i grew up in that purity culture i'm, I'm glad there was those emphasis i mean i i grew up in a youth group that we used to take sex and dating retreats in high school oh, and really? our youth pastor our youth pastor would go okay our annual sex and dating retreat is going to be in july no hands-on experience needed you know stuff like that oh i mean gosh. it was pretty um it was pretty <laughs> wow but i i remember going to these sex and dating purity retreats as because a, you wanted to no this was all well, it was it was a youth group. I, I didn't uh-huh. I didn't want to, but but this is all part of that purity culture era that we grew up in. This was what a lot of people were doing, and but we would go out on these retreat centers. They'd separate the boys and girls, and they would um, and they would give, I mean, talks about and we talked about um saving yourself from marriage the dangers of of sexually transmitted diseases um um all kinds of things i remember in high school we um our youth minister at the time brought in a doctor and separated the you know okay kids plug your ears all right if you (laughs) parents this this is a warning this is a warning um to you that this next part is gonna i think our other podcasts have proved that they have to have their headphones so i'm i'm sitting youth group and our youth minister brought in this doctor and i don't think the doctor was a christian or not and um and because the doctor did not talk to us like a christian Mm -hmm. um he did not have a message of save yourself his message was when you guys have sex with women and i'm kind of it was super uncomfortable okay i'm 17 years old and and i don't think he was ever invited back because i don't think our youth minister thought he was going to be so clinical so he so here here imagine imagine this is all during the purity culture now so we're having um youth group and he brings in a doctor um who was i believe a gynecologist and um and he said all right so if you get that, this is what he said. If you get that special feeling and you think that you want to have sex with this girl, then, and again, forgive me for my, I'm just being blunt. This is right. what I was, he goes, 
Um, here's what you need to do before you have sex with her. You, you need to get down there and take a look and make sure she's all good. Oh my word. And, and I exactly. Okay. So that reaction right there. Okay. That's, and I'm sitting here in the uncomfortable. Well, I think my reaction is more like people are listening the, to this right now. I know. So I, I warned you, <laughs> this is all. And I'm, and I'm going, what? And it was, and, and, and it was very uncomfortable. I mean, you could feel the tension in the so room. He's more talking like STD stuff. He's talking he's about STDs, sure that- what you look. And he gave us the whole lecture before that about what STDs were and this and that. And, and, and somebody raised their hand or oh, like, geez. is that what you would do? That's the doctor <laughs> in the moment. And he goes, it's exactly what I do. Oh my and, Lord. and I don't know this doctor was probably 40, I guess he was much older than we were, we were teenagers. And I think our youth minister was sweating pretty hard by that moment because he thought he was doing a good thing, bring education, but it really turned out to be something completely different. And then he started showing pictures. Oh heavens. Yes. And he goes, now what you're looking at here is, and dot, dot, dot. <laughs> we don't need to go any further. And I, I, I'm, I'm still traumatized a little bit by some of that. And, um, okay, well, it worked. Uh, well, <laughs> anyway, so I don't really need to say anything more than that, but let me just say in my 17 years of life up to that point, 16 years, however old I was, um, it was impactful, mm-hmm. but probably for all the wrong reasons. And, and, but that's the, what I'm trying to say is that was that purity culture that we grew up in. There was a huge emphasis on abstinence. Mm-hmm. And so the, the pen, isn't the, necessarily a bad thing. No, it's not at all. Some of the ways and their attempts and tries to keep people, keep kids from, you know, with abstinence was some maybe some adverse right so as the pendulum swings this is how a lot of people look at it today you know in your efforts to tell me to stay pure and abstain i couldn't live up to it Hmm. and i i failed i failed now the pendulum swing is i'm a dirty rotten horrible human being that has no right god will never forgive me god has no right which nothing could be further from the Hmm. truth you know, yeah. but, but anyway, all that to say that we're dealing today where this all has grown is now we're not talking just about abstinence anymore. Mm-hmm. We're not talking so much about purity culture anymore. We're talking about gender confusion. We're mm-hmm. talking about homosexuality. We're talking about a whole number of things that I didn't even know anything about when I was a kid that our kids oh, are exposed yeah. to these issues today. And so it's, it's become this huge convoluted mess for our young people especially that's being perpetuated by a lot of smart people who should know better than to quit confusing our kids so the church has to have a strong voice in this Um, i think our strong voice also has to be not just to the kids but to the parents the stories that we get from our boys when they come home from high school and the things that they tell us it kind of breaks my heart absolutely because i don't feel like that kid's parents have talked to them about they were created in God's image or they were created for a purpose. You don't need to be anyone, but who you are because God created you to be who God created you to be. And, or those parents are up, up against such a strong wave of pressure because their kids are under it yeah. and their kids are being told a lot of things and, and, and they're, the parents are hurting just as bad as the kid is. And it's like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know. I don't know how to combat this. I would encourage you to talk to someone, a leader in the church, one of us, the youth pastor, someone, because 
I think that's the biggest hurt for kids right now is like you said, there is some gender confusion or there is a major something in their life. And I am so proud of our boys. Obviously we've talked about, we've talked about them a lot. We have really open conversations about this stuff in our home. Very open conversations. And so, but my conversation tends to always come back around that, that kid who is wearing dot, 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 or being dot, dot, dot. I don't want to, I don't want to offend anybody because I know some of you guys are out there who have kids who are struggling with this, but it comes back to honoring God with our bodies and reminding our kids constantly that they were created for a purpose. God didn't make a mistake. He, he knew exactly what he got when he created you and he wanted you to be, I tell our boys this all the time. He wanted you to be a man. He wanted you to be a boy and he's got a purpose for you. And it is not our job to change that or no. to do anything to alter that. And no, so not at all. It's, and- it's not that they don't can't make mistakes at this age. They are going to. And we, we have to recognize that. But it's our job to constantly come back and go, hey, God's God's still going to use you. God's still going to That's right. We're, we got a real battle on our hands with all of this. And, you know, you had mentioned God's design. And that's something that's got to be taught in the church. You know, when you think about what God created, you know, we're creating his image. Mm-hmm. And God made each person with a complete respiratory system. Mm-hmm. God gave each person a complete digestive system. Um, but, you know, our bodies only consist of one half of a reproductive system. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Just one half. And that's because God made us male and females as complementary parts of his image. I don't know if I don't know if a lot of people really wow. thought that yeah. through. Complementary parts. So it's not an accident that, you know, the very first command that God gave, you know, in his image, God made them male and female. It's right in the very opening pages of the Bible. And what did he give them the command to them? He goes, be fruitful and multiply. Genesis chapter one. Mm -hmm. So God made mankind in his image. He gave us one half of a reproductive system. And he says, the two of you will come together and you're going to be fruitful and multiply. So really, if you even think about our bodies, they have a wonderful design stamped into us at creation that can only be experienced through marriage. That's God's design. And that's a consistent message from the first page of the Bible on yeah. that, 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 that a female has half a reproductive system and the male has half the, and together they come to form something great. And that really does set the stage, you know, where the only, the only conversation in the Bible about sexual intimacy is within the context of marriage. And, and, and honestly, that's, that's what we need to be teaching. But the flip side is this. The flip side is we have to be very clear and teach the whole counsel of God Mm -hmm. and to hold the Bible up high and not cower to what the world says. You know, the Bible, it's very nature cuts against the grain of society. It has all the time. The the message of Jesus was always counterculture. It always cut against the grain. The church's message today still cuts against the grain. And I'm sorry, but if, if the, if the church's message, if the Bible being preached doesn't offend people that are lost, then you're probably not doing something right. If it's not like, like there should be agreement within the church about this stuff because we're all followers of God's word. But the, 
the world that looks in on it is it's going to have like sandpaper. It's going to be abrasive because it's a different message Mm -hmm. in this culture, but we need to be firm in it and loving at the same time. The world today, I, I, I tell my boys this all the time. You guys are growing up in a much more complicated world than I was. And, and you know, my parents used to say that to me and I always kind of laughed it off, but it was true for them. Mm -hmm. But it's really true for us. Yeah, I didn't grow up with the device in my hand. Um, I didn't grow up with you know gaming system that connected me to thousands of people all over the world. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I didn't grow up with the internet. I didn't grow up with any of those things. What our kids are growing up today is a much more complex world. Much uh, they're 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 growing up in a world where they can have an answer to any question they have in seconds. Yeah, you know, hey Google, what's yeah. you know, hey, yeah, they look up the Google it they. The, the exposure to information and, and and I almost wonder if our brains were designed to 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 scour through so many millions and billions of data points in a day mm-hmm. i I don't know if if that was ever God's plan for us and if sometimes I wonder if 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 we're not a product for our own genius or you know consequence for our own genius here mm-hmm. but but um but where as a pastor what my heart is i I know that there's a lot of people that have messed up in this area and God still loves you more than you'll ever know. You know, well, God, God's got that you have today to start today to honor God with your bodies. He's not done with you. Right. And, and you may be tempted to think because either you didn't go into your marriage the way that the Bible describes, you know, most don't, mm. but that does not mean that, that God loves you less. And it certainly doesn't mean that he's, that he's done with you. I'm a firm believer. Everything in the Bible leads me to the conclusion. If you got air in your lungs, God's not done with you. Mm-hmm. And I've seen God take some of the most messed up, broken situations where people absolutely screwed things up for themselves. And I've seen God take those situations and turn them into something that's so beautiful and so wonderful. And I've got friends who've messed up royally and God put things back together that, I never thought in my life they would ever that would they would ever survive that. We're we're a church of the imperfect. We're just trying to live for Jesus, and so um, I think there's two really key things here. I I think we need to understand all that the Bible teaches about God's sexual ethic. And when you when you believe what the Bible says, then it's a very clear path of what we're supposed to do. However, I'm a firm believer in this. If if your marriage didn't come about God's way, or maybe you're on multiple marriages and there's always lots of stories for what that is. Mm-hmm. Then I encourage every couple to have a, from this day forward mentality. Yep. Maybe we didn't come to this thing the way God wanted it, but by golly, from this day forward, mm-hmm. we're going to, we're going to, we're going to live this thing the way God wants it to be. So that's what I challenge people to do. Have a, from this day forward mentality to the relationships Maybe we didn't do it right, but from this day forward, we will. And then also to know that, um, man, not doing it God's way, there's consequences. But man, there's a lot of grace to and forgiveness. He's not done with you. He loves you. And, 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 and don't let mistakes of the past keep you from an incredible future that God has planned for you. And, um, and I hope that's, that's a message that our church never loses. God cares more about where you're going than where you've been. And he can take anything that's not right and make it awesome. Just don't ever lose faith in that. 
that's all for today's show. We want to thank our amazing producer, Abby O'Brien. Be sure to check out our show notes and the links for things that we talked about today. And don't forget to subscribe. Thanks for joining us on Under Under the the Hood. Hood, not a car show. That was so lovely. You're so good at that. I would just, that's not in the podcast. I was screwing around. No, it's not. (laughs) It is now.